for people who are listening to this who are preparing for their transition, there's a lot of things to apply here. A, there are roles in artificial intelligence that are that have never existed before. So yep. if that's something you're interested in, definitely go check it out if you want employment post-military that in that way. Yep. B, you can completely like flip this whole transition paradigm on its head because yeah. you can do so much more by talking and interacting with these artificial intelligences. Like you said, interview prep, asking it questions, writing resumes, writing editing emails. resumes, like yeah. writing emails, all of it. Like it's, it's all new and it's yep. stuff that you or I never even had. And I shoot, I wish I wish I had it to be able to do some of the stuff that I use it for now, which is super yeah. cool. So still very relevant. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the post-military podcast, the podcast where we give you advice and stories to better prepare you for the next transition in your life. It, whether you're a veteran, uh, someone still serving the military, or someone who's just a casual listener, there are going to be phenomenal pieces of advice and wisdom from our guest today that you can take and implement in your life. And my guest today is Nick James. Nick, thanks so much for coming on. Yes, thank you for having me on, Billy. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this, honestly. Well, I'm, I'm really glad to uh, finally get to have you on for everybody who... Uh, doesn't know, which no one knows. Um, Nick was a mentor of mine um, who I met on Veterati, which wow. is a phenomenal platform that if you're transitioning out of the military, you should definitely check out. Um, but Nick was not only instrumental in giving me tools to help me network and kind of figure out what I wanted to do in the next chapter of my life, but he also referred me to the job that I am currently in. So uh, I, uh, I'm very grateful for everything that you've done for me up until this point, Nick. And I'm really grateful that you decided to come onto the podcast and give your thoughts and advice to everyone out there listening. So thank you so much for coming on. I'm glad you started a podcast, to be honest with you. <laughs> hey, um, I, this is uh, highly I like valuable. To, I, I appreciate it. And uh, I, I really like to hear myself talk. So uh, I get to do yeah. it like for two hours uh, every other day uh, on the week. So, you know, it works out. It works out that's, great. But, uh, awesome. you know, it is good. Um, so, Nick, let's uh, let's dive right into it. Uh, tell everyone out there a little bit about your military service. Yeah, sure. Started off. Uh, it was 2005. <laughs> my parents um, thought my life was going nowhere. <laughs> so it took me to the Navy recruiter's office and uh I, I guess I, my ego got the best of me and I was like, well, that's, that doesn't seem hard enough. What's the hardest thing here? So I picked <laughs> the Marines or of course, of course, um, you know, this young strapping 18 year old who, you know, thinks nothing in the world can harm him. Anyway, joined, got punched in the face, um, many times proverbially, right? Not, not literally. Um, perhaps literally a few times, uh, made it through boot camp. Um, I started at, in the admin um, field. So for those of you who are familiar with MOS, is, uh, this is 0151. So I mainly worked in the, the PACs, IPACs and the S1s. Um, head of my class uh, out of Camp Johnson, uh, got to pick my first duty station. So of course I choose, you know, Iwakuni. Went to Japan, 
spent uh, two years there um, doing S1, <clears throat> S1 work, yeah. Um, uh, almost fell in love, got married. That didn't work out. And then With someone came... from uh, from Japan. Yeah, yeah, Japanese local. Um, awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah, she's awesome. Um, she's out there. Hey, <laughs> uh, uh, my wife wouldn't approve of that. <laughs> we'll cut it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I came back stateside, Beaufort, South Carolina. Um, I, I can't say like which one's my favorite. J- Japan and Beaufort are definitely my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there, uh, you know, got promoted a few times and then uh, was in the IPEC there. Um, <clears throat> nothing really momentous happened there, I suppose, other than the promotions. Then uh, it was right around the time where I was trying to figure out, like, am I going to get out at four years or or am I going to keep going? And, you know, I sort of recalled uh, an early passion of mine, which has always been technology. My uncle would say, uh, he would lament and say, like, you know, I remember buying you your first remote control car. You spent about five minutes actually playing with it for what it's supposed to be played with for. And then you spent the rest of the time taking it apart to find out how it works. <laughs> so my, my passion and love and curiosity for technology was born early. So I sort of you know, rekindled my love for technology and I decided to stay in the Marine Corps and do what's called a lateral move or a change of jobs. And I went into the network security um, business. So that's a 0651. What year was this? Uh, this was 2009. Okay. Gotcha. So you, in that move. Yep. Yeah. so you joined in 2005 and then switched jobs in 2009. Okay. Yep. Cool. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, so, I mean, Lo and behold, and you know, uh, I, I I didn't know what this was going to turn into, but at the current at the present moment, and it has been like this for some time. I consider that lat move to be equivalent to someone buying Amazon shares at like fifteen dollars a share. I mean, although Amazon stock's not doing all that great right now, um, you know, I would apply that when Amazon was at like two thousand yeah. <laughs> a share. Right. So it was just such a strategically important decision I had made on my own. And I was very proud of because I wasn't all that bright. You know, eating crayons for a living can do some damage. (laughs) Uh, So I made the lap move, um, went back home for a little bit. I'm only discussing my my uh, my my leave at home because that's where that's when I met my wife through a series of fortunate events. Um, uh, went and went to 29 Palms. It stinks like hell there. Uh, don't recommend going there. <laughs> and, um, I don't know if it still stinks, but <clears throat> that's where I trained for, uh, my occupational specialty in network security. Uh, learned a lot about routers and switches and VLANs and subnets and, you know, span ports and all the real technical things. <clears throat> and VLAN subnetting, which I'll never forget. Uh, <laughs> and uh, came back, got engaged, uh, then went to Japan, uh, this time Iwakuni. And I was on a three-year or a two-year deployment there. Or not deployment, but, you know, change of station. And um, uh, decided to get married, came back to the States, got married like four months after I left. So this is like April 2010. 
<clears throat> uh, got married, got my wife put on the orders. Uh, she was there in June and then switched my, uh, my, my tour from a two year to a three year. And I spent the rest of my service there. Uh, a lot, a lot of really cool things. Like I was in charge of the VLAN team. I got promoted to sergeant while I was there. I was charged of the VLAN team. We basically, um, you know, set up VMDKs or VMs in VMDK format <clears throat> and, um, in preparation for deployments. We go out, deploy. It's just mud, mud and grass and trees. Uh, we'd lay down all the pallets, build all the tents, run all the sipper, nipper lines, you know, secret internet and regular internet lines, uh, set up uh, multi-channel communications or mucks. Um, deploy satellite links, uh, lay down the command and control um, infrastructure, you know, basic services like Outlook and uh, I think it was Skype at the time uh, and other more proprietary command and control tools. Really cool things doing like nation state defense on, you know, like live attacks on, on, on firewalls and IPSs and IDSs and then counterattacks. Uh, it was really, really fun. I really cut my teeth and learned a lot about the the, the hands-on work, uh, which I don't do anymore <clears throat> in security. So that's, uh, yeah, that was my entire military service. I I got out uh, right after that. We had my first firstborn son there in, in Okinawa on Camp, Camp Lester. Uh, unfortunately, the, the hospital is no longer there uh, anymore. But um, yeah, we we had him there, and I, you know, I said enough of the fun and danger. Yeah. <laughs> I figured, you know, I get out. So that that's when my life changed. But back yeah. to you. <laughs> what? Um, back to you at the studio. Yeah. Um, what? So was your so you, your son was the catalyst for you deciding to get out? Okay. Had I think there's been... a number of things, but yeah. he was like a majority. Yeah. Okay. What What else do you think was? kind of was kind of rolled into that decision of you wanting to get out. It might be controversial, but I'm all about transparency. Um, I just, there are certain things that our government was doing at the time and are still doing that. I just, it, it, it doesn't Fair. personally jive with my yeah. code of conduct and ethics internally. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. So those were the two, those are the two primary factors. Yeah. Um, when did you make that decision and how much time did you take to actually prepare for your transition once that happened? We made the decision early 2012. And then um, I decided to go ahead and um, separate at the end of 2013. So it took like four months four or five months for act to actually to be finalized, go through all the process. And then I knew I had separation, a separation date, right. With all my leave and my EAS calculated into it. So I had a pathway. So this was six months out is really when I started doing the work. Um, what really set in is that I was leaving a very comfortable, you know, albeit the date, the, the, the risks that, are associated with being in the military. Uh, I think it really set in that I was leaving a, a lot of creature comfort that's provided, uh, you know, the insulation that's provided by the military, like 
knowing exactly where you got to go when you need uh, medical care and not having to worry about co-pays or premiums or co-insurance or God, I didn't even know what any of that stuff meant at the time. Um, now I know it all too well. I definitely think they can do a better job in, in taps of teaching on that stuff. But I really sat in. I was like, wow, I'm leaving all this comfort and going into this like whole new world that I know nothing about because I entered the Marine Corps as soon as I became an adult at 18 years old. And it really, it sort of, sort of terrified me, but I get excitement out of change. I'm a, I'm a weirdo. I get really excited with change. I love the uncertainty of it, being able to navigate, you know, unpaved paths, at least unpaved for me. Um, and so I had six months and I was like, I, I was starting to like research more about what my job converted into out in the the real world. And I got really excited. I was seeing, I was seeing some salary numbers. I was like, man, I was like, I didn't know people made that much money, <laughs> you know? Um, and so I really kicked it into drive. I would, I remember I'd stay up at least three or four nights a week, um, centered around like the weekend. I'd stay up during American, you know, morning, morning, afternoon hours. And I'd be, I was building up my LinkedIn profile. I created myself my own website. I used my Photoshop skills and I made this like cool transition of like me in my uniform with an American flag in the background. And then like it cuts over and the other half of my face and body is like in a, in a button up with a tie. Yeah. yeah. And like, it's like a regular face. Yeah. No cover of course. And like the cityscape in the background. So like, I was just very like, I was enjoying, I was really enjoying it. I was like, man, it's like a whole new world. I get to go explore and make, make up whatever I want and be whoever I want. I'm not restricted by anything. I think, you know, going back to your earlier question, I was like, I, the military really stifled my, stifled my creativity. I didn't, I didn't really understand how creative I was until I got out. Like a very, very, what was that? Left brain? Is that left brain? Uh, I That's th- right brain. Right brain. Yeah, I think so. Right brain's I don't creative. Know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I just, I just <laughs> podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I just podcast. Um, so, yeah. So I think that that's cool that you talk about not understanding that the military stifles your stifled your creativity until you got out. Yeah. Um, and so, do you think that? I think you made a really good point, which was the military is very insulated. Because I, I, I agree. I think that the military does this really good job of putting your life on rails yeah. should you oh, yeah. let it. Like you just yeah. kind of have to sit on the ride and watch it mm-hmm. go by. Um, but you also said that was, a, that was a little scary for you. And so was getting over that fear the realization of like, oh, I can be really creative in this new world where I can kind of go and play? Or did were there other factors that fed into you being able to get over that? fear i i think fear was a driver to my success for sure because i was like okay i'm gonna get out i have a six-month-old boy i have a wife who dropped out of college for me i don't have any formal i mean i had like college classes here and there but i don't have any formal education i was forced to get three certifications because of some dod mandate which I was just starting to figure out how extremely valuable is. I was cursing my way through getting those certifications. It was like A plus, net plus, sec plus. And now I'm like finally realizing the, the 
the, the huge value of having those certifications. So it was a combination of fear, but then fear turned into like excitement because I'm like, okay, so like I did make a good choice when I did my lap move. I was like, I didn't realize how lucrative the space was and that I could build a really nice family or excuse me, really nice life for my family when I get out. So really I was, I was, I was, um, I guess, you know, I was, I was driven forward by, uh, the spirit that I can create a beautiful life for my family, not having taken traditional paths of going to college and stuff like that. So I, you know, I built up my LinkedIn reputation, my identity on there. I was speaking to recruiters at least twice a week. Um, and, uh, I don't know if I'm going too fast, but fast forward, you know, I get out, I, my EAS date, uh, although, you know, I was at home for a little bit to factor in leave and terminal leave and stuff like that. EAS date was one sixteen, or excuse me, 115, 2013. My start date for my very first civilian job was one sixteen, 2013. So it was like, I had like. I had, if you could write a textbook about a successful transition, I think my story would probably include it in there somewhere. So I'm very grateful and thankful for like the veteran community outside. Uh, there's very much this like emphasis on like, if you make it, reach your hand down and pull people up. So I adopted that mentality immediately as soon as I got out. Cause I was like eternally grateful for the people who helped me. Yeah. I, I'm, I feel very much so agree with that sentiment. I think that my transition was fantastic. And uh, a lot of the emphasis for starting this podcast is my version of trying mm -hmm. to yeah. give back. Um, for the, for any, anyone who is about to make the transition, who has mm -hmm. that fear of the uncertainty, what advice would you give them for them to get over that fear? I think it starts, it's number one, it starts internally. So if you look at your transition, almost like an onion, you got to start at the center. You got to figure out who you are as a person, what you're willing to do to make sure that you can provide a, a good standard of living for whether it's, you know, you're the, 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 you're the wife and the breadwinner or you're the husband and the breadwinner or both of you are looking to get jobs, really looking internally and working internally on addressing that fear and, and imposing confidence uh, in yourself based on what you collectively already have learned and know. Understand that the, the amount of, of training that looks completely stupid and asinine while you're doing it is in fact shaping you for a very successful career, whatever it is you end up doing. And the one career as a fallback, if you have to fall back is project management. Like our entire military career is a pro is project management training, <laughs> uh, to be very blunt. Right. Mm -hmm. So there, there are a whole, there are a whole, like there's a whole cottage industry on taking veterans and putting, placing them or training them, properly, like not properly, but in the civilian world um, and, and putting them into project management roles. That's a huge, huge industry. Uh, mm -hmm. Find confidence in yourself, collect 
collect all all the things that you've done and understand that there is there is convertibility even if you're a grunt and you're just you're you're just shooting guns or artillery or whatever it is you're doing right there's convertibility in everything you just have to be able to look inside yourself and then look outside and make that relation number 2 would be your family if you don't have family like perhaps you have extended for your parents or your grandparents or you know sister brother uh out in the out in this world but like if you have a family like really count on your spouse and we'll count on your kids make them a part of your transition uh without i hate to say the word buy-in but it's like it's almost like you have to sign them up onto this this one-year program you're about to enter into it's not a formal program but i guarantee you it feels like it um, it, sign them up, help them understand what's about to happen and help prepare them. And then after that, I would say number three is planning. Planning is super important. Uh, there's an old adage and it's like, I think some consider it to be a little corny, but if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. That's very true here. Um, so taking what you did in step one and step two, you know, create a plan uh, you don't have to be dogmatic about it. Like obviously re leave room for flexibility, but it's really important to like take your plan and understand exactly how you're going to take the skills you've learned in the Marines and apply it for your future success in the civilian world. And then make sure your family's on board with the plan and then just execute. Execute like your life depends on it. You don't understand the true value of I guess the real measure of a person, man or woman, is when they're at their least, right? It's how you, it's, it's how you get back up. And you only use that in the context of like when someone failed at something. And I, I don't want you to think that this is like a failure that you're getting out. It's definitely not. In fact, it's progress. <clears throat> but you almost have to use like the failure mentality to make sure you're successful and, and come out, um, you know, in flying colors. I had a guest on that said, dive into your transition like it's your job. Yeah, and yeah. I think that yes. that's a oh, yeah. great, I think that that's a great mentality to, to take. And I think that what you're saying is incredibly important. One thing that I really want to hone on, hone in on that you just said is getting your family on board to sign mm -hmm. up for this uh, formal program, as you yeah. said, which I think is really funny. But I think yeah. it's true because one thing that I really want to drive home to listeners that I think you made with that point is your transition out of the military is not you leaving a job to find another job. It's mm -hmm. you leaving a lifestyle to build a new lifestyle. And your yep. family is a foundational piece or should be a foundational piece of whatever your new lifestyle looks like. Yep. And so your military transition can't happen in a vacuum because it's not just job to job. It's everything about you to a new version of everything about you. And if you don't include your family in it, you're going to have a bad time. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. And so yeah. I think that Amen. that's such a, I think that that's a amazing thing for you to, um, point out. And man, that's just, that's a lot of, that's the clip. That's the clip right there. That's by the, the way. clip. That's, that's the clip. Yeah. The, uh, I, I love, I love all of that. Um, and so, when you were talking about getting out of 
your when you're talking about preparing for your transition so you said it was one you took about a year do you think that that was enough time because you talked about planning like yeah. failing to plan is uh, planning to fail yeah. um do you think that you took enough time to prepare for your transition and if you were talking to someone who was still in how much time would you tell them to take to prepare i really had like the six months because it was like the first six i was just like trying to figure out if this was a certainty or not. I think the six months was enough. Um, perhaps it may require different, you know, lengths or, or duration based on like what your job is internally. I don't, I don't want to nuance that, but I think the six months is, is, is quite enough as long as you take it extremely seriously. Like your job for the next six months is to find a job and set up shop, set up life for your family out in this world of complete uncertainty without any insulations. You can go do whatever you want to. You don't know what you're going to wear every morning. You don't know where to be every morning, right? It's, it's, there's a lot of freedom, but freedom come, also comes risk, but there can also be reward if you design it correctly. So yeah, I think six months, I think six months is enough. I think that the thing that I would highlight that you just said is if you take it very seriously, I personally tell people two years. And the only reason I tell people two years is I don't think people either a have the latitude in their military role to right. take it very seriously. And B, I don't think people do take it seriously enough. And if you give yourself two years, it really allows you to take, because I, I took a year, but I was not working. I was talking to people every single day on LinkedIn, Veterati or wherever. Like it was a ton of work. And yeah. um, like it was like an eight hour. It was like an eight hour day every single day for me. And yeah. I think that that was enough. But I don't think that people have the time or the will to do what I did most of the time. Obviously, you did and you did it in six months. But that is the caveat give yourself enough time if you know or think your job will not allow you to take it as seriously as you or i think you should take it seriously so yeah that's De the yeah, definitely and, and i think there's like different kinds of preparation too like mm -hmm. there's like it's like the timer starts like when you make a decision mm -hmm. like sorry you're gonna have to cut this out it starts getting like super dry you're good yeah Or you can show them my, my big F and jug. Super, super water bottle. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Uh, so I'll start over. So I, I, th I think it Do really big like Texas. Sorry. I, I had to make that. Uh, <laughs> I had to make, I had to make that joke. <laughs> yeah. I, I really think it's, it, it, there's like this spectrum, this timeline, right? So it's like the moment you make up your mind that you're going to leave, right? That's when the timer starts. Like, my six month, I guess, measurement was really like, I, I had all that time to like, accept the fact that I'm getting out, then tell my command, my chain of command that I'm getting out. Then they were like, okay, you're getting out. And then I was, that's when my six months started. But yeah, that, that lead time could, yeah, could definitely be like two years. You, you might be even, you, you might be like, you know, one year into a four year contract and like, I'm done. So if you know you're done, just start now, you know? And I, I, 
I definitely think that I love that you say there's different types of preparation because I think that there's like ideation and then there's execution. And yeah. I think that ideation can happen whenever you want it to happen. Exactly. Um, you don't need execution. Yeah, exactly. Execution. However, there is a timeline on that. Like if <laughs> you if you're you're done with year one of a four year contract and you're like, I'm done with this. Don't start interviewing for jobs. That's a stupid idea. It won't work. That's really bad. That's execution. Yeah. Figuring out what you want to be when you get out of the military in three years, that's ideation. That's completely okay. Yes. Um, I so that. I love the, I love the idea of the two separate types of, um, two separate, yeah, two types yeah. of preparation. Yeah. Um, do you think the, you talked about like, these like forcing functions, the fear, execute, execute, like it's going to be failure. Um, I think that that's a really interesting concept and it's something that I've talked to a lot of different people about, which is, and we're kind of fast forwarding, so I'm sorry, but you said it, so it's your fault. Um, <laughs> that's all right. I believe that there are a lot of people in the military who hear things that you say or hear things that I say or hear things, I mean, shoot, hear things that are said in like taps and all this, whether it's about how to prepare for the military, how to prepare for your transition, what you should be looking into. It's going to be harder than you think it is. It's going to take more time than you think it is. It's going to be um, fast forwarding into the conversation I want to have later. You're going to feel more lost than you think you're going to. You're going to have more of an identity crisis than you think you're going to. Most people, I believe, do not actually believe it until they are up against the wall and have to execute. Yeah. Do you think that, cause I believe that that failure execution, that's, that's powerful shit. And we in the military, we function off of that real well. Do you think that there is any way to impress upon people the belief that is required to do the things that are required for a successful transition without having to get them into the place where they have to rely on failure execution to succeed. No, it's, it's self-conviction. Okay. How how bad do you want it? You know, how bad do you want to stay out of unemployment? Right. Uh, how how bad do you want to provide a, a life for your family? Like, you know, and to be really frank, like the, 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 the abundance of resources was like far less, you know, far, very limited when I was getting out compared to like right now. Right. So <laughs> to be very frank, you have, you have the internet, right? You have the whole internet and you have, chat rooms, you got Facebook, you got Facebook groups, you got Telegram, you got Discord, you got like, you got all these things. Like, uh, I think that like, I think it's become easier to have a successful transition now. So really, if you do fail, it's, it's on, you. on you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Um, talking about resources then, what do you what do you think you did well in terms of leveraging resources when you were getting out? And then what advice in terms of leveraging resources do you give people now because that landscape has changed so drastically? Yeah. Uh, when I was getting out, I 
just through using the platform, I, I, I learned and I understood how powerful of a tool LinkedIn is. Okay. And it still stands true. Uh, it still reigns supreme in the land of getting a job. Right. And I don't want you to think like I'm leading you to a pasture where the only option is you need to go work for someone else. If you got an idea to go like build your own business, go do that. So none of this like following advice applies, honestly. Right. If you're, if the path is going to look very different from you, if you want to get out and start your own thing, right, you're going to be tapping into different resources, which there are a ton of resources, depending on the state that you're going back to. I know Texas is full of resources for veterans who want to transition into building their own business, small businesses, right? And there are a number of benefits through the small business administration and things like that. So, you know, understand that what I'm talking about here, the advice I'm providing is, I, you know, unfortunately, it's like for a majority of people will go and work for someone else, <clears throat> which you, if you can avoid it, you should. Um. <laughs> well, to, to kind of not not to push back, but um, some other really good uh, opinions that I've got from a couple of other guests is um, it's really good when you leave the military to change things in degrees. Like, yeah, transition. don't change everything at once and, yeah. because that's I did. And it really sucked. Like, honestly, the only thing that didn't change was I'm still a military spouse. So I could go on to base in like Woosaw if I needed to, if I needed yeah. a second to like, like feel like I was normal again. Um, and I worked in a very large organization, which was Amazon. And yeah. so I think that could, should veterans go out and start their own businesses? 100%. I think that vets are probably some of the best small business owners that are out I there. Agree. Um, but caveat to that is understand that that'll be a radical shift in a major piece of your life and yep. understand what the mental and emotional costs are going to be there. That's, yeah, that's totally, the only thing that I would say. Totally agree. Yeah, definitely yeah. agree. Like, you know, in, in, a, in a perfect case, I would say, yeah, like go work for a big, it's kind of like getting off an addiction, right? Like you have to start small, like, you take you take this little thing away and then and then you connect then you take another thing away and then then you finally are like full fledged you know you're like in your small business but in a perfect world yeah i i would agree uh if if you can do that do that but going back to the resources uh for finding jobs i early on just realized how powerful of a tool linkedin is but also more importantly brand building right like everything, even back then, it was like it wasn't as prominent. But now it's you know you are your brand. If you don't know how to market yourself, that's on you that you didn't do the work to figure out exactly what is you're good at. And you know we were talking about Ikagi, right? I call it Iki guy, not like a total American, but um, and you were in Japan too. Yeah, I know, I know. Shame <laughs> on me. <laughs> But, you know, finding out wh what you're good at in the world, finding out, you know, where in the world, you know, what you're good at is valuable and finding out what you enjoy. And I think those are all, I think there's four circles. I'm missing one. Um, but yeah, definitely. If you can re share that resource after this, Billy, that'd be valuable. Link in the um, description. Awesome. Um, but yeah. Building your brand. And then, so now, you know, like I make videos on how to script, uh, how to skip applicant tracking systems. Uh, 
uh, understanding like the power of LinkedIn, the, the, the search algorithm is extremely powerful. Um, perhaps I can just share a link. Uh, maybe Billy you can put it in the description. Of course. Um, I just do a screen share on my phone, reaching out to recruiters, uh, understanding the whole life cycle of how recruiting happens is very key and important. And this is what I preach now is like, how do you get across a lot of the barriers that are put in place to call candidates? So imagine a candidate pool, almost like a funnel at the top is everybody who's applied and they need to use systematic measures to reduce the size and the population of potential candidates on the way down until they finally identify the, the one candidate for this one role from like 10,000 applications, right? So like figure, learning how that system works and really being able to, for a bat, lack of better terms, like game it is going to be crucial to your job finding uh, success. So, um, I, did I share that deck with you, Billy? I can't remember. Yeah. yeah okay, cool. Yeah. F feel free to share that out. I, it's not yeah. proprietary or anything. Like, I want people to use that, but uh, there's really great tactics and strategies on how to get past a lot of the barriers that exist in the employment or the recruiting process. Maybe we put it in a video series instead, Jane. Yeah. That'd yeah, be cool. Sure. Yeah, that'd be that'd great. Be, yeah. Yeah, ideas. We're gonna Do have to it. cut this yeah. now. If this is gonna be, if this is gonna be a real thing. <laughs> no one can know until we release it. Yeah. Um, so, okay, I love that. I I completely agree. Um, LinkedIn or the concept of networking in general has not gone away at all. It's it's no. king. Um, king. I think I would say the majority of you getting a job is your ability to network with people who are already yep. in the role and their ability to refer you, put in good yep. word, all that kind of stuff. So. I, yep. I think that that's very, very important. Um, yep. So what did your, what's your career look like since you got out of the service? Uh, good question. So, I mean, I, uh, unfortunately, like most, I had to start over, even though I was a sergeant and I was considered like manager level, well, I had to start over when I got out. So, you know, I started off as a, an analyst in the security world is like the, at the bottom of the totem pole. <clears throat> so I, I quickly worked my way up. I ended up uh, site manager for one of two security operations centers for the second largest network in the United States, the department of veterans affairs. Uh, and then from there, you know, I realized the earning potential <laughs> in this line of work. And man, the dollar signs popped in my eyes like I was in a Looney Tunes cartoon, I swear. Um, and I was I was playing a game. I was addicted. You know, I wouldn't stay at a job for more than a year, a year and some change, maybe even less, you know, because it was just offer after offer. Every time I got a new certification, more offers pouring in. The more I'm posting on LinkedIn about my expertise, my thoughts on current news and articles, like the more offers come in, the more connections I made, like this was like this, this Rude Goldberg machine, this like perpetual cycle, it, like the virtuous cycle, right? Like we learn at Amazon. Um, it, it was a flywheel effect. And, um, but I, I was continuing to grow. Like it wasn't like I would just go there and make some money and leave. Uh, I was adding value. I was growing just at a fast pace. And it was really driven by 
by compensation, you know? So let me, I hope I'm, hopefully I'm not the first to say this, but let me be very clear. Do not be afraid to number one, measure your worth and know what you're worth. And number two, demand it, not ask for it, but demand it. Because if you, if you aren't able to articulate the unique value you bring, because remember you, a lot of us are replaceable, even I'm replaceable, but like at a certain point where it really counts, you have to be able to articulate the unique value that you can bring to that organization and demand for what you think against fair market value. I'm not telling you to be egregious or anything like that, but against fair market value, like where you think you land and demand it. Hmm. And it may take a few tries. It'll, you'll get a bunch of no's. Eventually you'll get an, get a yes. So um, I did that and I employed that and I, you know, I made it to just a, um, a five, I think a five X my income from my first job uh, in eight years. It's like 10 years. I had eight jobs. I, oh yeah. It was, it's 10 years. Five uh, X my income over 10 years. Um, so like it was purely not purely but like it was obviously driven by passion and love for security it's just something i was naturally good at <clears throat> so and current state um you want me to get into that now or um oh. i have a i have a couple of uh questions i want to ask before we go yeah. into current state yeah, yeah, yeah. the yeah. first one is you said you had to start over as an individual contributor yep and something that i feel like something that i've struggled with and i think other veterans most likely struggle with as well is you come into most jobs in the civilian world and you have a ton of experience as a, as a military member for you, like you were talking about, you did some really cool stuff in security in multiple locations uh, in Japan and Leading other teams. spots. Yeah. yeah. And then you have to go back and become an analyst. Yeah. How did you, how did you deal with kind of, almost having a reset on how people view you and the experience that you can bring to the table. That was a punch to my ego. <clears throat> Obviously we leave the military because of, with a, with a, with a very inflated ego because we're told we're the best in the world and the best at everything. Mm -hmm. And we're untouchable, unbreakable and all those things. Right. Um, so it was really like me having to tend to my ego. Uh, and that that was that part of that introspection that I was talking about earlier. Um, it, it's just a reality I had to accept, you know. Mm -hmm. And you almost have to make accommodations for the fact that you're entering a new world where two languages don't align. There's no, like, really great alignment between occupational specialties and, like, arbitrary titles that are made in, in the civilian world. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it, a lot of the times, like I'll run into job interviews and they don't even know what they want when they're, or what they're hiring for. Like the skill set is like a general like target and they're doing their best to aim at the center of a very large target, which isn't well-defined. Um, but yeah, it was just punched to my ego. Just had to, just do some resetting and understand that I'm, I'm thankful to gain employment, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. I think that that's a, I think that that's a really good way to look at it. And 
yeah, for me, I think the cool way of what you said is there's it's basically two different worlds. And the thing that I tell folks when they're preparing to get out is your military there is nuance that exists in the civilian world that you will never understand until you've been mm-hmm. there for a while. Yeah. And the best recommendation is there are actually ways that your military experience can be injected into the civilian sector to not only improve your standing in wherever you're at, but also improve the processes and the performance of the organization. Oh, yeah. be in. However, big time, you have no idea how to do that at first. Mm-mm. So don't try because you're going to be like Billy Pew and make yourself look like an asshole because you're going to say like, well, back and da, 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 and I had this experience and it's, it's not going to make sense to anybody and it's probably not actually the right thing to do. Um, so it's really a good idea to get an individual contributor role, learn how the sausage is made in the civilian world, and mm-hmm. then – First, let your military experience inform your individual internal actions. Mm-hmm. Then, as you gain more insight into where you're at now, then let what you had slowly permeate through the rest of the organization. But don't start with it because it's just going to make you seem like a douchebag and you're yep. probably going to get it wrong anyway. So that's, yeah, don't uh, forget it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely yeah. agree. Um, the next thing that I wanted to ask you before we talk about like current current Nick is knowing your worth. I think it's a really cool I think it's a really cool concept, but it's also something that's so unbelievably foreign to people who are getting out. Yeah. Um, like we don't know how to negotiate at all. Uh, we we don't know how to do research and asking for salaries because I can just look mine up on a DoD website. Um, yep. So. What is the, what recommendations would you give to people um, for actually figuring out what they're worth um, as they're getting out of the military? Well, there's a number of resources like salary, salary calculators and things like that. <sighs> Frankly, <laughs> right now is a, it's a really weird time where general AI is accessible to everyone. I would have never said this before, frankly, but ask AI. <laughs> Which one? Which AI should we oh, yeah, ask? Start with ChatGPT. I mean, honestly, just learn how to use AI for those that one year that or two years that you got. Mm-hmm. You might just be able to find your own, you know, personal success where you don't have to rely on anyone. Like there's there's so much room to be an entrepreneur. I'm sorry to get back on my entrepreneur box, but no, it's great. Like AI, it, it is. It, it won't be. It, it won't be surprising to me if we see companies IPO, multi-million dollar valuations. It's a three-person company hmm. in the next five years. I won't be surprised. Yeah. What, um, in your particular opinion, if you had to rank the major AI platforms that are widely available to people, where are you yeah. going? Uh, yeah. Where are you going for all of your stuff? General Chat, uh, uh, OpenAI.com, um, and the product's called ChatGPT. It's very much like texting somebody, right? And you receive like very good answers. The, the, the one controversial thing is like, 
it says it's not connected to the internet, but there have been multiple cases where I've asked it for like summarization of links and it somehow provides it to me. But supposedly it has been disconnected from the internet since 2021. So it may not be the most accurate information, but you know, like if you're looking for like job search tips or you can, you can, you can even, you can even ask it to act. That's the beautiful part of ChatGPT is you can give it roles. So I can say, ChatGPT, uh, please act like a an interviewer who's interviewing for a cybersecurity analyst role. Um, you know, some more specifics. More specific, the better. And um, please start asking me a series of questions and start grading me on how I'm answering answering you as as an interviewee, right? And it'll coach you. Yeah, it's. It's insane. So ChatGPT is at the top. Um, something called AutoGPT has uh, been the recent uh, cat's pajamas. Uh, I use something called AgentGPT. Uh, that's a variation of AutoGPT. Then there's like task-based. Um, uh, um, there's task-based AI. So there's like the earliest form is probably get Grammarly. It's like the earliest adopter of AI from a writing standpoint, but there's like writer.ai, there's uh, for writing and helping you with writing and, and composing, articulating. There's Kyber, Kyber is, is called, it's text to video, which is insane. Then there's um, gamma.app is, <clears throat> it, it can take a description and create an entire pitch deck in under two minutes. Um, 11 Labs is awesome. 11 Labs is, uh, uh, text to voice, uh, but it's contextual voice, which is insane. It sounds like a real human that understands context and adds, you know, uh, vocal, vocal, um, <clears throat> intonation and volume and things like that. Um, there's syllabi, there's it, I, I can go on and on. It, it, it is an insane, I, you know, I was, I was, I was talking to a, a peer who's or down in Houston, his name's Alex. He's working on an AI project, of course, privatized AI. And um, I was like, I felt like all the AI companies were all sitting in a vault and somebody opened the doors because it's like they are coming out at such a velocity. I, I can't even keep up. It's insane. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's the new it's the new hotness. And uh, as an entrepreneur, you'll understand that in today's economy, it's taking a lot of work for someone to give you the big bucks. The one caveat to that is I feel like investment firms are throwing bags at people who are creating AI. So I think that yeah. it's just like, on one hand, A, very interesting, can definitely solve really cool problems. Yep. But someone will also pay you a lot of money to do it. So yeah. I think that there's the, uh, I think yeah. that in our capitalist society, people are really crushed. That's, that's why you're seeing it. But I mean, it's it all is. really cool stuff. So even even simple things, even simple things yeah. like uh, prompt engineering. Mm -hmm. So prompt is how you ask or talk to AI and give it instruction for what you want. Getting good at that is is an art form and also a highly paid skill in and of itself. Like mm -hmm. writing words in the right way to speak correctly to AI for the most optimized and desired output is also a job. Uh, like mid journey is 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 text to image which is insane. It's probably just go try it out. Like mid journey. Sweet. 
Yeah. Yeah. Please. And you oh, go explore and perhaps like you can apply your military skills in that way. And you can, like I said, make your own living just doing that. It's really it's cool. And, uh, I, uh, I mean, shoot, I downloaded Bing just so that I could, it got uh, Microsoft edge is on my Bing computer Bing. only because yeah. Bing, Bing AI is a thing. And I really, yeah. I really like Bing AI. It writes yeah. real good stuff. So Even Google's barred. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I actually haven't touched Bard yet, which is okay. uh which is funny, but I'm a big uh Bing Bing and Chat GPT guy. So Sorry, I didn't mean for this podcast to turn oh, to like an no, AI podcast. I love it. Hey, listen, <laughs> I'm just so listen. like thrilled like this the resources I mean, that transitioning I, military veterans have I know, right well, that's, now. That's the point. Like yeah, we are yeah, yeah, that's yeah, literally yeah. what we're talking okay. about and yeah. like yeah. that's cool stuff and it's yeah. it's literally you were talking about three-person companies getting multi-million dollar evaluations and it's because people can exponentially increase their workflow capacity and for people who are listening to this who are preparing for their transition there's a lot of things to apply here a there are roles in artificial intelligence that are that have never existed before so if that's something you're interested in definitely go check it out if you want employment post-military that in that way b you can completely like flip this whole transition paradigm on its head because yeah. you can do so much more by talking and interacting with these artificial intelligences. Like you said, interview prep, asking it questions, writing resumes, writing editing emails. resumes, like yeah. writing emails, all of it. Like it's, it's all new and it's yep. stuff that you or I never even had. And I shoot, I wish. I wish I had it to be able to do some of the stuff that I use it for now, which is super yeah. cool. So still very relevant. Still yeah, very relevant still to relevant. the topic. I agree, and, I agree. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Um, so I think that because we're kind of on this like high tech, like uh high tech run anyway, tell, uh, tell everyone what you're, what's happening right now in your life. Yeah. Uh, I got the boot first time ever. <laughs> Uh, as Billy mentioned, you know, I was with AWS and I got caught up in layoffs. Um, I think it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm. Um, I was, I found myself in this mediocrity paradox is where I saw you write about that on LinkedIn. Yeah. 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 And I was like, Ooh, I feel that. But like, until someone articulates it, because I heard it somewhere else, right? I'm just regurgitating. But until someone writes about it, like, and articulates it, like, you don't know. You're like, holy crap, yeah, I feel like that. So it's like things were just good enough and not painful enough. And I was, like, at the intersection of those two feelings, right? Um, my life was great. You know, like, it provided a great standard of living for my family, <clears throat> Uh, you know, I had really great work-life balance, um, but having got out and not got out, like I said, talking about it, like I left the military, having been laid off has been given me the opportunity to use time to explore my full potential. This goes back to that same feeling I had when I left the military, when I was like, oh, man. Yeah, the, the stifling of creativity, right? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, I'm and, you know, now I'm exploring. Yeah. Yeah, which I think is which I think is awesome, and I think that the 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 mediocrity or 
yeah, paradox. mediocrity paradox. paradox yeah, yeah. The, that I think is really interesting that I think that a lot of veterans fall into. Mm-hmm. And I want to take what I'm going to say, we'll pivot nicely into what I want to ask you about next, which is yeah. our job. Like I said earlier, we view the military as a job when it's a lifestyle. And so then we're trying, when we get out, we need to, we think our job needs to fill us with as much purpose and passion as the military did, which is wrong because it's impossible. You cannot, a lifestyle's worth of purpose cannot be jammed most of the time into a job, just a job. The Mm -hmm. caveat to that is if you start your own business, because then your business is a light. If you're the owner of a business, it's a lifestyle. It's not a job. Like I think zero founders will tell me that like, oh yeah, my startup is just my job. Like it's, it's everything that you do. And so, um, I think that the mediocrity paradox that people fall into in the military is you're looking for that passion in just your job and you're, probably not going to find it. No. And so you need to go outside of your job to find it. But if you are just looking for a job that pays really well and you get it, then you're almost not incentivized to leave from a monetary perspective, but then you're dying on the inside because you have no way of exercising your creativity or the things that made you, you while you were in the military. And so I, I think that, uh, I think that that's, it, it's something that people need to think about. It's like a holistic shift that needs to happen. It's not just a job to job. It's like lifestyle to lifestyle, um, which I think is really, really important. And so for you, you have your own business and tell everyone a little bit about that. Yeah. I got a few of them, but the, the one most prominent and it's something, let me go on record and say like, Amazon is a freaking awesome company. Um, not so like this nonprofit I'm running now called Web3 Earth. It says Texas, but this is the Texas chapter t-shirt. But um, they, you know, I went through their outside business activities approvals and they were cool with me being the chairman and CEO of a nonprofit. So I did that. And then they paid me for three months after a layoff and I've only been there for a year and nine months. <laughs> so I, I'm, there's a lot of positives here. Like people can really take this negatively, but like I essentially was given, I was granted three months of pay, like kind of like PTO to figure out what I'm going to do next, you know, and, and not have to tap into my savings. So, yeah. So yeah. Off, yeah. So that's, that, that's on the record, but yeah. So web three earth is a 501 C three. Uh, nonprofit registered with the IRS, and uh, we provide fundamental education, so 100 level education for beginners uh, in the Web3 space. And the Web3 space includes things like, or subcategories like cryptocurrency, blockchain, metaverse, NFTs, <clears throat> artificial intelligence, I'd say falls under there. Um, not wholly, I think it's its own big giant behemoth. Um, and, and DAOs, and there's just a whole litany of emerging technologies and ways of working and ways of earning, ways of interacting, socializing. You know, it, there's, it, is, it is incredible 
how much innovation um, something as sad as the pandemic really spurred. It showed the beauty in humanity. Like we took something that shitty and we built something beautiful out of it. And I became obsessed with it. So, uh, you know, and this is a total cybersecurity move for me. I always tell people in our last transition between web one and web two, if we truly understood the risks that we were about to face as a, a global economy, right? Or society uh, that, you know, my belief is that someone like me would have stood up a public service to give people basic education on things like what is a password? How do you make a strong one? Where do you store it? What is a phishing email? What is phishing? How do you spot a phishing email? The Prince of Nigeria doesn't want to be your best friend. Don't send him money, right? Like just like basic things like that. If we had taught that in the late nineties, right? Before we were given the power to go put our personal information, our healthcare information, our financial information online, corporations were doing the same, well, you know, without permission. Um, I think it'd be a very different world right now, right? And cybersecurity wouldn't be all that lucrative. Um, so I'm doing that now. This is another transition wherein people's guards are down. They're looking for neutral, un unbiased education, which doesn't exist. Uh, and so that's what we do. So Web3 Earth, but yeah, we we're founded in Texas. So that's why I have my Texas shirt on. I love it. Everything, do it big in Texas. The, yeah, uh, do it big in Texas. When I was, uh, when I was teaching people like introductory introduction to cybersecurity in the Air Force, the thing that I told all of my students who were coming in was back 600 years ago. The thing that separated your, you, the thing that separated people who were really successful and could move through the world really well and the people who couldn't was literacy. Could you read or not? Yep. Because most of the world at that time was illiterate. Yep. And if you could read, you had a significant advantage over, like, I mean, you had access to books. Like you could read could a book and then yeah. tell an illiterate person what was in the book. And they just kind of had to take your word for it because they can't check you. Yeah. And so the current version of that is cyber literacy. Yeah. If you understand how things in cyberspace function and flow, you yeah. have such an incredibly massive advantage over everybody else because unlike books, everybody is engaged in cyber today. Yeah. Like you're on, if you're on a phone, you're engaged in cyberspace yep. and most people could not tell you how their phone connects to the internet. Like they have no idea. Yeah. And Magic. so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it just works. And so I think that it's amazing that you're doing that because you're like, yeah, cyber literacy is the killer is the silent killer here because there's just so many ways you can get taken advantage of, especially as people are moving into the web three space with, especially with crypto and everything else that exists in there. So I think that that's an amazing, uh, it's an amazing thing for you to um, move into. And we'll make sure to put your um, web three, web three earth link down in the description so people can Thank check you. it out. Yeah. Um, something that I wanted to ask you about, because I think that it's really cool. Like it, it's cool to talk to you. Um, I want to kind of shift into this idea of like identity and purpose a little bit. 
And the reason why I want to ask you about that now is when you talked about getting out of the military, you said you were passionate about cybersecurity, but driving force for 10 years was like, how do I get paid? Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. You just want to get paid. Yeah. The thing that I've heard you talk about the most that you're most passionate about are two things. A, helping veterans get out of the military, which is a very um, altruistic thing. And then B, a nonprofit that talks about Web3 and teaching people about uh, this new type of internet interact interactivity. Interact- yeah, interactivity that exists. And both of those things aren't necessarily like they're not they're not based around money. Um, but those are clearly the things that you're the most passionate about. And so something I want to ask you about when we get into, I want to get into this idea of purpose, which is when you left the military, how did you build yourself into this place where you were able to hone in on what you were passionate about? So you were able to escape that, um, the mediocrity paradox that we were talking about. I don't know. It it drives me. It's it's almost like a second personality. Okay. I don't want to sound like schizophrenic or anything like that. No offense to those who are. If it are. makes you feel any better, uh, we're now in the part of the conversation that gets really, 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 really deep. So okay. if you don't have answers, that's okay because most people don't. No, it it's a great question. And sometimes I ponder, I have this like alternate identity inside of me that drives me and pushes me. And it's in persistent search or just this pursuit of satisfying my purpose. Mm -hmm. Like I think it knows what my purpose is and it won't tell me, but it knows how to guide me and direct me. And it, oddly speaks to me like right before I fall asleep and I I can't fall asleep because I it's it's just spitting ideas out at me and I have to write it down otherwise I'm going to lose it because I'm about to go sleep and it's all it's amplified over time but it's always been there and I I don't think I'm crazy for thinking this way perhaps mine's a little bit more pronounced than others but I think everybody has this this person inside of them that wants what's best like it's evolutionary selectivism i don't even know if that's a word but it's like it's like evolution is speaking to you and selecting the right paths for you to continue and sow your seeds and replicate the good parts of you right it's like this it's this beast inside of me that will just not let me stop and, you know, my, my conscious self needs to say no to certain things, but it's just like I'm flabbergasted. I don't have like a direct conne- connection with this, this subconscious, right? And perhaps one day I hope to gain access to this subconscious, but it has been the fire inside of me. I love it. I love it. I, ha- I hate it sometimes because... It, it it gives me so much, but doesn't give me direction sometimes. And it's just like, whatever it is, my spirit, my, I don't know, you know, 
spirit guide. I don't know what it is. It's just, it's this beautiful thing inside of me that is in persist. Is it like, is it just this in like passionate pursuit to always create? I know I'm here to dream and create and make things out of nothing. I know that for a fact. It's made that abundantly clear to me. And perhaps that's all it will reveal to me, but that's that's who I am. So when did you feel like you started developing this idea of the like person, this person inside of you, this idea to build and create, um, at least understanding it to a point where you're able to articulate it today? Yep. Well, it was like, it's almost like a craving. And in order to satisfy these cravings, like I was, like, I had to do something, right? And to me at the, at that early moment, it was more like, and this was like 2016 or so. This was after you got out of the military. Yeah, way, way okay. after. I think, I think that, that, that beast inside of me is what originally drove my transition, right? And it's just this thing that lives inside of me. Um, and, 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 and then it switched courses. It's like, okay, let's go to next level at now, you know, and it slowly fed to me. And, and it, like, I had these cravings of like exploring entrepreneurship and like, that's why I've been harping about it so much. I think I, at, the, at that moment I was like following G Gary Vaynerchuk, like he was, he was Jesus himself. And um, you know, I, amazing guy i think he is in tune with his beast um for sure <laughs> if you don't know who he is please go check him out uh, i think it's garyv.com <clears throat> uh he was talking about like what's next what's the big thing you know like um i was listening to tim ferris a lot he was talking about writing a book and i was like yeah i'll write a book let me start small so uh it was around it was 2014 i had i was challenged by my really good friend. He's still a good friend of mine. Uh, lives down in San Antonio, I believe, or, or Dallas. He's going to, he's going to hurt me for saying that. <laughs> uh, but he, yeah, he lives down South in Texas and uh, he was my manager at the VA. He challenged me to take CISSP. Like I didn't, I was like, no way I'm not going to pass that thing. Like, cause that's, you know, it's like a milestone for every security professional. He's like, I dare you to take it, pass it in 21 days. I'll buy you a steak dinner. I'm like, done. Let's go. <laughs> you know? I was like, and I did it. I, 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 I got the book. I studied one chapter a night for 19 days for 19 chapters. I took two days to prep. The 21st day was my exam. I passed. And I was like, how freaking cool, you know? And, and so like a few years later, I was like, let me memorialize like the plans just based on like me exploring my entrepreneurialism. I was like, let me go explore, like perhaps memorializing what I did to, to achieve that. Cause it's not like ever, something everybody can do in that short time frame. It's usually takes like a few months for people to study and pass the exam. So I, I wrote a book, it's called CISSP in three weeks. I don't think it did all that well. Cause it was like, it was just instructions on how to get prepared. I think the lazy folk out there thought I was giving you like answers to the exam. So you can pass it in three weeks um, um, or that there was more content, but it was like simply like instructions on like, you know, like stupid, simple things. Like it was like planning out the thing, bringing your family, once again, family on the journey with you, 
and you know like setting a good example for your children to like watch you being religious about it and regimented every night and preparing for preparing for the exam like starting like a few days out like how you should be eating what you you know like how do you manage water consumption and bathroom breaks during the test cuz that's like a you get like 4 hours to do it i think it's like it was like a 250 questions when i took it i think it's less now but anyway that was my first and it's sort of like it was like pew you know it was it was like you know, i got it on amazon i self published it and that was my first step in and then next it was like i joined y combinator um and went through their program and gary v was all talking about you know uh voice voice assistants and i was like yeah voice assistants and i was like wait cybersecurity voice assistants bad and so i invented this little thing where you can slip back then it was just a alexa hockey pucks so you slip it in there and, and i i got this white noise from this like this lady has her doctorate in like audio engineering Basically, if you play that white noise against Alexis microphones, she really can't hear. And I called the product TrueMute, <laughs> and I I three D printed it and everything. And you know, like that that was like right around the time where I was like, oh shit, man, I love this stuff. I love like building with my hands, and you know. And then I was like, and then I went full on, like I started doing woodworking, and and you know, like I was really building with my hands. And then I realized it was like we as technologists build so much digitally that like we crave like physical tangible material creations at least i do right so yeah started there and then fast forward you know i have i invented a product called insider cloth it's for anybody who has glass basically who wears glasses basically like it's a microfiber cloth that adheres to the inside of your shirt so you don't forget it, right? People forget their microfiber cloths all the time. So that's still going. Um, but yeah, I just I keep inventing little things. Yeah. I love it. And I think that the the big takeaway that I would take I would have for what you just said is the exploration of self through doing. Yeah. And I, a really good quote that I got from one of my guests who got it from somebody else was um, he said that unrecognized genius is cliche in the sense that if you're on, if you're like anyone can say that they're going to do something, but very few people actually go out and do it. Yep. And so the fact that you went out and did as many times as you did is just a really cool exploration of self and in your identity and something that... I have a theory, but we'll we'll find out here in a second. So I'm going to ask you some more questions and we'll find out. Um, what was it like for you from an identity perspective to leave the service after being in the service through basically the time that you left high school until you got out uh, as like a sergeant? Like your whole identity was wrapped up. Like your whole life was wrapped up. In yeah. that. Like you were just military that entire time. Yeah. Then it cuts off. What was that like for you from an emotional perspective? I'll have to say, like, I wasn't the, the you know, like the the star marine. You know, like I got in trouble a few times. I guess I didn't, I never felt like I fit in. Like, I, I made it through and stuff. I did my work. I did stupid things. I get NJP'd. And, but, you know, like, 
it was just me like using my my smarts for stupid instead of good um so i I never really like fully like convert like transformed into the marine you know like i i think it was easier for me than a lot of others i and i you know i i was i really tuned into the language of the civilian folk and eliminating acronyms i'm huge on people using acronyms probably why i have a a nonprofit <laughs> that teaches on education, but um, yeah, I, I, I think it was easier for me than most. To be honest. Interesting. I think I think that's interesting because I personally I think that your desire to integrate into the culture of the military has very little to do with how impactful separating from the service is or not Ooh, because yeah that was deep i i think that i i know plenty of people who i've had people on this podcast who were like i was a bad and then fill in the blank every mos every service and then they leave the military and like whether you felt that you were super into the marine corps or not you were still serving the country yeah and you were still given stuff to go build and do with, which was satisfying, I believe, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, I believe that it was satisfying that beast inside of you enough because the Marine Corps moves quick enough. Mm -hmm. It was giving you challenges. It was letting you lead. It was letting you make decisions. It was letting you be that uh, more constrained for sure. But um, it was, it was enough it was enough purpose and it was enough driving force in your lifestyle um, that it allowed you to have that. Then you get kicked up into another gear when it's time to get out. Then you like get to be free, fully flex all of that Mm -hmm. stuff that the Marine Corps had given you. Then you get out and that basically goes off of a cliff because you don't have any like you're just you're just a dude trying to get the bag which is which is fine but then that's where you start exploring all this other stuff that isn't your job to really reignite that passion of whatever the marine corps had for you yeah you want it you're like okay that's gone now and then it got ramped up at the end and now it's complete like there's nothing and so now i have to go find it again yeah. that's just kind of my sense of what happened in your life but i could be completely wrong it's a good it's a good observation frankly like when things aren't challenging for me i become like an unsupervised child um a bit of self-defamation but um i you know apply i've I've learned to tune it to apply my energy for good when my energy isn't used by my surrounding environments but before i was like an unsupervised child like i would when i was in the military and things were like a little too comfortable yeah bet your ass i was getting into trouble uh just doing stupid things because i knew i i knew i could get away with it and the thrill wasn't getting away with it right like manufacturing this whatever i was doing to be like it was almost like a game to me like i was using my smarts to figure out how i can circumvent you know rules or or you know regulations or whatever get away with it for as long as i can until i get in trouble you know it just sounds like to me you've always been a builder you've always been wanting to be an independent creator and 
you've just gone on this really cool journey of like like the first time you got that real taste was when you were getting out and you got to do your photoshopping make your website yep. promote your yeah. like you were the product yeah. yeah the first time yeah which is sick yeah and then then that falls off a cliff when you get your first job as an analyst at the va which nothing wrong with that but it's like you're just a cybersecurity analyst back to like, comfort yep exactly yeah and so um you 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 now have honed in on like i'm nick and my purpose is to build shit i like that yeah. and that gives me a lot of drive yep. um and i think that that's really cool that you've done that now because it's wholly separate from your job mm -hmm. which i think is something that people not just getting on the military they really struggle with because this is going to be this is going to tie into an observation that i had you told me that getting laid off from amazon was one of the best things that's ever happened to you which i think Easy. if your identity was not grounded in these values that you found yeah which is i like to build and do my own thing yeah um there were a lot of people on LinkedIn who, and maybe I'm callous because I was in the military, but I'm like, why are we acting like Jeff Bezos shot 20,000 people in the head? Like, yeah. we're not like, we're acting like these aren't like people making over a hundred thousand dollars in like the cushiest lives of all time. Yeah. And like, they're all going to get jobs. Yeah. They're all going to get hired again. Like they're it's fine. Yeah. And, but people are like this tragedy. And I was like, 9-11 was a tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is not like, this is, this is not a tragedy. It employs over a million workers. And when they cut like 30,000, yes. they act like the world is ending. I totally agree. With yes. You. And yeah. so, but I think that those people really view their job as their identity. Yeah. And so the buoy goes up and down with the peaks and the valleys of the company yeah. for you your through line is this thing. And so then when Amazon lays you off, you go, Oh, well, now I just have more time to do this thing. Yeah. Funny enough, like you say time. that you're a very observant person. Um, <laughs> yeah, my, my, my son said this. So I, I, I battled with telling my kids or not. Um, I mean, I've told the world. I mean, you know, we, it, it, I wanted to be very public. I wanted, I want people to know that like there, there's definitely life after this if it happens to you. So I'm very public with a lot of my. Yeah, things. I liked your I liked your post about that a lot. I thought it was uh, I thought it was very um, that was very good. Thank you. So funny enough, when I actually like gathered the the courage and made the decision to tell my kids, because how my my successes, my failures, my mistakes, the things I do right, all those things contribute, I would say, like arbitrarily picking a number to like 40% of who they're going to become. This applies to both my, myself and my wife, right? I think um, it's the whole like nature versus nurture debate. Um, so I made the decision. I said, well, I want them to see me recover from this, whatever recovery means. Funny enough, I, t I tell my son, he's like, well, that's okay. You, you have web three Texas, right? He's like, you just go do that. I'm like, isn't this beautiful that like the kids minds for as much as they haven't matured, they've also haven't been tainted. Right. It was such, it was such a simple reaction he had. And it like, that like changed my life. Like I was like, you know, I was just, I was like, what did you just say? You know, like he, him not understanding the complexities of fundraising for a nonprofit and like 
salaries and bills and all the things, right? Like, he's just like, that's okay. Just go do the other thing. I was like, man, I needed to hear that, you know? Yeah, and I think that I think that there's a lot of people in the world who need to hear uh, Nick's son yeah. advice too, <laughs> yeah. which is like we'll do that. Hey, yeah, hey, but you were, I think you were working towards something really beautiful. I, I wanted to. I just want to pull on the thread. I'm going to switch roles real quick. Of course. Like, I think the way I would art, I would articulate. Not saying you articulated articulated the wrong way, but I, I would say like. Instead of you trying to fit into the world, you have to learn how to make the world fit around you, mm. right? Uh, and that is truly where you find your purpose, your identity, and what follows through is community, right? So anyway, back to you. Yeah, no, I think that that's uh, I, I think that that's a great way to say it, and I think that the there's a thing that I say a lot that I'm going to keep saying because I think it's a core. I have a couple of core ideas that I'm still kicking around for what I think my mission statement is for this podcast. And one of them is your identity does not need to, you do not need to derive purpose from your job. They can, they could and most likely should be wholly separate from each other. And it's what I'm doing right now. I like my job at Amazon. It's great. I'm very, very blessed to have it. Um, Way more. Sto- I was way more stoked about this conversation all day than I was about writing Python code for <laughs> AWS. Uh, I can I can tell you that much for sure. And I think that for a lot of people, purpose in the military was wrapped up in your job because it's all one big monolithic thing. Mm-hmm. But out here, post military. Your life is made up of many pieces mm-hmm. and how you decide to fit those pieces together into whatever the mosaic of your life looks like. Yeah, that's I up to that. you. Yeah, I love and that. it doesn't. Yeah. Mosaic. Flip it. Uh, <laughs> so, that, uh, so whatever, whatever you want it to look like and wherever, whatever you decide to emphasize, that's up to you. Up to you. And if you decide to emphasize something then you can have other things running in parallel or in the background and whatever happens with those things won't, won't matter. And so what matters is whatever you decide to emphasize, understand that that thing is going to affect the peaks and the valleys of your life. So you need to pick well. And that exploration is what's really important. Use the time of stability to explore what works and what doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like you got one shot. Um, yeah. you, you got... It's, a, it's a lifelong process that shifts as still things it. go. Yeah. I yeah. don't have it figured out. Um, yeah. And it's going to keep exploring. I mean, yeah. I mean, like your, your life is a great example. Like you, your priorities were, you were down with the military, then you had a kid. And then you're like, you were like time to prioritize something else. Like I want a better life for my family. Mm -hmm. And so then a lot of your things were prioritized based off of your, I mean, you said it yourself. I was shocked by how much money I could make because that could mean that I could make a wonderful life for my family after a non-traditional life path. Yeah. Like that was a big deal for you enough for you to bring it up in a podcast. So that was the large emphasis item. And that's why I don't think that you trying to go get, 
the bag at every successive job is a bad thing because it it was like, how can I create a better life for my family? Yeah. I can get more money. That's how I'm going to be a good father. That's how I'm going to be a good husband. This is how I'm going to At the end of the day, then, I remember, uh, shit, I cannot believe I forgot his name. Lieutenant Cameron Marshall. He said, Sergeant James, he said, at the end of the day, I know I know what's preached to us is, uh, you know, God, you know, basically it's like God core and like, like the rest of everything else comes after. Right. God country core. Sorry. There we go. That was that was a saying. Right. It always preached to us. God country core. God country core. So God above all else, then your country and then the core. And then like forget the rest of it. Like figure it out. Prioritize on your own. Right. He's like, I don't believe in that. And it was like, I was just sitting in his office. Um, I think I got in trouble again. Uh, but <laughs> sitting in his office, he's like, just remember who is going to be by your deathbed, right? If you believe in God, perhaps he will be there. Uh, just remember your country and your core are not going to be by your bedside. Okay. It's going to be your wife. It's going to be your children. If you're die young enough or you're in a hospital bed young enough, it's your parents, right? It's the people around you. Not that just totally shifted it for me. Yeah. It's I think it's a I mean, first, shocking that lieutenants are out there spitting actual like useful knowledge. Uh it was deep. <laughs> as, it was deep. as as someone who was one of them at one point, like I didn't say a single smart thing for like four years. Um but uh no, it, it, it matters a lot because, again, it goes back to what are you emphasizing in that mosaic of your life, which is if you're emphasizing a company, and that could be the military, that can be Amazon, that can be whoever, at some point, you're like, you not even at some point, you are literally replaceable. Yeah. Like that's uh, the military is designed for you to get killed in combat. So like, it, like we literally exist to be replaceable. And then for companies, the second you don't, you don't fit into their earnings well, they let you go. And so that's, that's it. So like if your identity is wrapped up in the company, that's going to come to an end. Be detrimental. And that's going to, yeah, and it it will have a a massively detrimental effect on your psyche. Should that be the thing you decide to emphasize in your life? Yeah, it could fracture you for sure. But like, but, but. We have to understand the trap. Companies are set up that way. That's what this whole like, this like, this push on culture is, right? Like, and it's like, it's it's like a, unfortunately, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, it's like, do we want good culture? Yeah. But can it, if oversubscribed, right? If taken far out of moderation, it can you can intertwine your identity with the identity and culture of a company. And when something breaks, it's going to fracture you and it could be irreversible in some cases. And that's when people get into unemployment and, you know, like there's just a whole, whole hole you can go down. Well, I think for companies, I think that there's, there's two layers to the company. I think that there is, the greater mission that the company may or may not be providing. And then there's the company itself. I think that if you find value in being a part of the company itself, then 
that's bad because it can set you kind of up for success for whenever you get fired or you leave. Then it's like, oh my gosh, who am I? Like, especially in the military, like, yeah. who am I if I'm not an Air Force officer? Yeah. Who am I if I'm not a sergeant in the Marine Corps? Yeah. If you're dedicated to the mission, the mission, the concept is eternal beyond the company. Yeah. Like for the military, I agree. serve and protect. You can do that in a variety Any, of different ways. Yeah. And so yeah. if you're tied to that, then you can leave the military. You just need to then go find some way to serve and protect on the outside and actually believe it. Yep. Believe and internalize that you can find that value outside of that organization. Yeah. Um, but the problem is some organizations in like, a, especially in a capitalist society, like great example um, would be like Apple music and iPhones. Like I'm sure they have a high, I'm sure they have like higher, like a higher value, but it's like, unless you're really into making phones or computers really, really well, which I would say for most people, that's not that like that. I don't think that gets people out of the bed in the morning. Like it's really hard to tie your identity to a high level. So then you have to drop down and like, I am an Apple employee, which is like, yeah, badge yeah. of honor. But the second Apple lays your ass off, like yeah. it's over. Like then, then what are you yeah. like? What are you like? You're just someone who has X Apple in their LinkedIn description. <laughs> like, yeah. It, and so you can fall into this trap even in your own business, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you still need to have separation. Yeah, it could be your baby, but once mm -hmm. once you start putting more cooks in the kitchen, yeah, you know there have been a number of cases where people have started companies and the board has fired them. You know, yeah. The I had a founder on a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about this very thing where he said his first company, he when he when they sold it. He was his identity was wrapped up in the company, so he it was very hard for him to hand management over to somebody else because like his identity was wrapped up in that company. And then by his second company, he realized, oh, I just like building things just like you. And he said it didn't really matter because as long as I was learning and building, then whatever happens outside of that happens because I'm satisfying my higher calling, if you will, which is to build and to learn and to push, like to get more knowledge. And so that's the delineation. It's not the company. It's the higher mission that he assigned to the company. And that allows him to ride the ups and the downs that all entre entrepreneurial ventures like have. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's really. I, I think that it's uh, I think that's really important, man. Um, the the last the last question that I want to ask you about um, is something that. So identity and purpose. We've talked about that a lot. I think that they're very important. The last thing that you brought up to me when we, you were mentoring me, uh, you talked about like pick so purpose. You talked about identity. And the last one is community. Um, we haven't really touched on that yet. When somebody is getting out of the military, what do you think are important communities that they need to get into? Because what veterans do not need to do is isolate themselves post-transition. I think that's the worst possible thing that you can do for yourself. And so 
what advice would you give to somebody about cultivating community post-military? So there's like, there's different communities that fulfill different needs, right? So there's your, like your occupational community. So like I have, you know, cybersecurity and I'm in part of cybersecurity groups. Then there's, you know, military affiliation or, you know, um, affinity groups, right? Like where it's just like, yeah, I was in the Marine Corps, rah, 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 right? Then in some cases, the two are the same. Perhaps it's a, a veteran cybersecurity community. And then more closely, I think your friends and family are also part of your community. Cannot discount them. And in fact, they are more influential on you than you think, right? The way you lead and the way you shape your family can have a direct reverse impact on how successful you are out in the real world. Because if you are not giving your, not your all, but not giving your family the attention they need, then they cannot give you the attention that you need. As much as you don't think you rely on them, you do. Okay, so that's like core inner circle is family and a tight group of friends. Perhaps they're veterans, maybe they're not, who knows. But find people who are like-minded, but also find people who are different than you and bring them in, right? And create your own little community. And then expanding further out is your occupational community and your military affiliation community. I think that that's a great summary of the things that you should be looking to build around yourself as you get out of the service. Because again, uh, do not isolate yourself. No. It's the worst possible thing that you can do yeah. as you get out because the military is such a community-based organization that uh, you're going to get lonely whether you have community or not. And if you don't have people to catch you when you uh, kind of crash a little bit when you get out, um, it's it's going to be it's going to be a real bad time. Yeah. Um, so, Nick, dude, it's been great. Yeah. It's been great talking to you. I really loved it. Um, Arctic, man. I yeah. The last, uh, the last question before we close out is what is your final piece of advice that you want to leave the listeners with? Oh, dude, come on. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> well, I always say this to myself, but always be the most uncomfortable when you feel the most comfortable. Mm, I love that. Don't get, don't stagnate. Yep. Don't get comfortable. Always find ways to push yourself out of your comfort One life, man. It goes that. by so fast. Mm. You know, you only go one life. You don't know when it's going to end. You're not even guaranteed the full life expectancy. So make sure you make your impact. You leave the earth happy. You make those happy around you. Just do good. Just be a good human being. I love it. What a what a what a wonderful message to end on. I love that so much. <laughs> uh, thank you, Nick, for coming on uh, and for talking to everybody. Uh, really appreciate you being able to uh, tell your story and uh, give so much awesome advice and insight to everyone out there. My pleasure. And to everyone out there, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you like the content, uh, please. Like, share with veterans uh, and military members who need to hear this message. 
and uh, we will see you on the next time. See you next time on the Post Military Podcast. Peace.